0: Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast joining listeners in Nebraska to Israel, exploring the ties that bind us through culture, identity, and current events. I'm Alan Potash in Omaha, and I'm joined with my co host Liz Felstron in Jerusalem. Liz, how are you today?
1: Hello, hello. Doing very well, Alan. Yourself?
0: I'm good. I'm not really in Omaha, I'm in Flagstaff. Um, so if my audio quality is not normal, it's because I'm not in my normal environment. But we have lots of things to talk about today. Uh, and um, I really just want to touch on something and we can expand on it next week when we uh, talk again. But there was a bill in the Knesset this week that was quite contentious. It was about providing electricity to Israeli citizens and villages that currently don't have Uh, basic needs, electricity, water, power, etc. broadband. And I want to just kind of talk about how it's viewed by some as infrastructure discrimination. So that's a phrase that I had not really thought about before. Although infrastructure and basic needs in many communities around the world, there's a a different um, way of providing those needs to cities and communities. And I think it's important now that in Israel, the current coalition is really advocating for basic needs in villages that currently don't have those same needs. I wonder if you can kind of talk a little bit about how property taxes and those values and how the needs are met uh, from your perspective.
1: Sure. So a couple of things. You sort of intimated, I think already, that this idea of int- infrastructure discrimination is not unique to Israel. And there are parallels to it certainly in the United States as well, right? We can all probably think of neighborhoods that don't get the same services, whether it's hardwired infrastructure, like connection to utilities, but also services, right? How quickly do firefighters show up or police fighters show up, right? There are all sorts of services that we know there are differences. And that does exist in Israel as well absolutely and while the discrimination is similar in a lot of ways and what's causing it is similar um right it has to do with who's in power and how things have been for a very long time and um and and, and racism right let's call it what it is um But the way that it gets justified is a little bit different because in addition to sort of the othering of who lives in that neighborhood, there's another layer of talking about, well, if we bring infrastructure, full and and quality infrastructure to a neighborhood, what does that say about how we view the future of that neighborhood? And the examples that came up um, with with this bill, right? If you if you have a a neighborhood whose residents are non-Jewish Israelis, and in this case, I think the contentious issue that you mentioned was whether the buildings themselves were built legally with permits or not. And if and and the issue is more with buildings that don't have a legal permit. On the one hand, you could say, well, there's people living here. They should, you know, they're citizens. They should absolutely avail themselves and and be able to have basic services. That structure, that home should be connected to the electric grid and sewer and everything else. But on the other hand, you say, well, if it's an illegal building in a disputed area, what does connecting it to the grid say about the long-term plans for that Neighborhood, right? Whose hands is it going to stay in? Whose hands is it going to be in ultimately? And it feeds into the demographic issues, which we know are sort of mixed in with all of this in Israel as well.
0: So that's, I think, what you're pointing to is whether or not the structure itself was built uh, in a legal manner. And I think again, when we talk about the infrastructure discrimination. What what constitutes a legal? or properly permitted building. And if there's an effort by the government to prevent certain things from being legally constructed. So that's a greater conversation. So I think that part of the the bill that has been addressed is really to start to bring those communities uh, in legal standing. And by doing that, providing those basic needs. I think about it, and again, this is as I look at communities in America that we know that certain neighborhoods utilize property taxes in order to cover certain benefits. And it's most clearly looked at in terms of education, especially in most states, where property values cover the cost of education. And we know that in some areas where property values are greater, the quality of education also is greater. So that's not a balance across the community of how to provide proper education. Are you seeing similar things in Israel based on property values and property taxes?
1: Again, yes, we have a very similar, and then with an added layer, everything in Israel is sort of like that. It's like, we have the same problems you do, but ours are even one step sort of more more complex. So yes, we have um, what are more commonly called municipal taxes, but. Basically, the same as a property tax in the states because they are tied to each residence, business, etc. And the way they're calculated takes of in into consideration a couple of things. One being the size of the home, right? The same as you have in the states. There it's per feet here, and every place else in the world, mind you, it's by meter, except for the states. Uh, We can talk about that in another episode. Um, But in addition to figuring it out by square meter, each neighborhood, even within a city I'm talking about, each neighborhood is assessed at a different rate based on how affluent that neighborhood is. So the wealthier, nicer neighborhoods are paying more per square meter and probably each home has more square meters. And then you have other neighborhoods that are being charged less. Um, Now, the government, of course, of the whole city is meant to sort of be the equalizer, right, and take those funds and shift them around so that students are getting equitable access to resources, regardless of which neighborhood they live in. And the problem is, A, does that always happen? But B, there are neighborhoods who either because of ability or attitude to the establishment don't pay their municipal taxes at the same rate, meaning not what there's like, not just what they're supposed to pay, but maybe they they refuse to pay outright. So the percentage of people who are um, meeting that tax obligation is not the same across neighborhoods.
0: So you're making me think a little bit more about a couple of weeks ago when Tel Aviv was considered the most expensive city in the world to live in. So are you Mm -hmm. saying that the residents in Tel Aviv are paying more in municipal and property taxes, therefore providing greater uh, basic needs to people in those communities or in that city? Is there evidence that that's actually true?
1: Well, so I am cities are divided into zones in terms of paying their municipal taxes. And your home might be in one zone and your child's school might be in a different zone. So to a large extent, it's sort of in everybody's interest that the, the city somewhat equalize how much is going to schools, right? And And also you might be a teacher who teaches in a school, which is like we're talking about a difference of one street away, two streets away. Jerusalem, for example, is divided into four zones in one city. So, um, so yes, the amount that public schools get is calculated not according to zone; it's by student, um, and there are all sorts of other factors. If you have certain percentages of students, right, that are below the poverty line, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe there's a certain amount of overlap, but it's not calculated in the same way. So yes, the city is taking these funds that they're assessing at different rates per zone, but then spreading them amongst at least in the education system more equitably than that.
0: So you know, you're that trying. Well, no, that makes that makes sense. I'm just trying to get a sense of if there's an opportunity to to. And you use the word more. uh the, the cities are providing more balance, more equitable. Um, benefits across the board that somebody's making up the difference. So, is it possible that this bill that uh, was contentious this week, the Knesset, was an opportunity for those villages and the state to bring more um, equity within the basic needs that that village now deserves um, or is expected to receive based on the need of providing more um, benefits compared to other communities? I realize that this is a very difficult conversation to have in a short, you know fifteen minute podcast, but it it just it demonstrates an opportunity for Israel to really address the issue of of discrimination across certain areas and providing those basic needs is a way to accomplish that.
1: Yeah, and it brings up the question of who's responsible for breaking that cycle? Because if we're talking about homes that were constructed without a permit, my sense is, my guess is that there's not a mechanism set up that those homes are paying into the municipal tax system, right? If they technically weren't supposed to exist, I'm not sure that the city has come in to look at them and say, oh, okay, this is how many square meters are on the blueprint. And you're in this neighborhood. And therefore, this is what you pay, like, they may not be paying in. So the question is, does the does the government take that first step of extending a hand to offer basic infrastructure, which could certainly be a a motivation for the residents to want to pay into municipal taxes because they see that they're getting something out of it. Or does the government take the strong arm approach and say, well, why should we give you basic infrastructure if you haven't paid anything into the system? And, you know, when we think about the balance of power At least you and I, knowing our meanings, may say that it's sort of an obvious answer, right, of who should be in the position to make the first step. But not everyone will agree with that.
0: No, I agree with you on that. I just I think that we see the opportunity or I see that America has not done a very good job of providing that balance in infrastructure across uh, areas where wealth is not as relevant or as significant as other communities And so there's an opportunity to fix some of those inequalities. Um, And I think Israel, as we know, is ahead of the game in many cases that can start to really establish a stronger sense of addressing those basic needs, be successful, and be, in my mind, a leader in society on making those issues more relevant and more significant so for us we can we can continue to have this conversation uh greater Uh, I i wanted to touch on it because of the contentious nature of this bill i just want to read you know from the knesset um kind of the press release that they sent out about it that the bills that this is from the press release the bill's explanatory notes state Many localities in Israel, most, mostly Arab localities, not all, mostly, have suffered for years from lack of planning, and as a result, the residents of these localities were unable to obtain building permits. And consequently, were unable to connect the, to the electric, water, and phone networks. In most cases, the residents ultimately connected to these networks in an unauthorized legal way, and this bill is an opportunity to fix those <laughs> communities. So... I guess we just need to wait and see what happens. But as we, as you and I have talked about, looking at how TV has helped to educate people or to bring some of those resources to to light, there are ways to remedy it.
1: And let's hope that this government has the you know flexibility and and wherewithal to to do that and to figure out how to do it.
0: Well, for us to continue on more. Uh, Next week, we'll have more of a greater conversation on other things. But again, thank you for your deep dive into this challenging question. And I think that uh, hopefully we can see that the coalition itself, and I think part of what I'm trying to get at is this current coalition is trying to solve some of those issues. And the opposition would rather see the coalition fail than to fix these issues.
1: I think you're very right. Unfortunately, (laughs) we'll see who prevails.
0: Okay. Uh, With that, Liz, thank you very much for your time today. And uh, for those who've been listening, this has been Israel Rebound and uh, looking forward to future conversations on serious matters and people will listen to what we have to say. So thank you all again for listening, Liz. Thank you for your time today.
1: Thanks, everybody.